Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy, the show that talks 100% LA Galaxy soccer. We're glad you could join us. Now it's time to sit back and relax as your hosts navigate through the twisting, turning, but never boring world five-time MLS Cup champion, LA Galaxy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you live from Corner of the Galaxy Studios on Thursday, May 31st, very last day of May before we enter the month of June and we inch ever so closer to the World Cup break. LA Galaxy have two MLS regular season games remaining before that MLS Cup break. And then, of course, they will also have a U.S. Open Cup game coming up on Wednesday, June 6th. So we have a bunch of things to talk about in order to help us do that. We are joined by my ever-wonderful co-host, Miss Wendy Thomas. Wendy, thanks for stopping by. What are you? Uh, how are you feeling today? Oh, I'm feeling great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I didn't yeah. get to work out today. Um, this is like oh. on my on my on my podcast days. I don't get to work out, and I feel like. You know, I, it's been two days now, and I'm sort of hooked. I have this nice little addiction going on, and so I would like oh. to get back there. So I will be working out on Friday. So that's, that's those that's sweet, sweet endorphins. Oh. They give you that workout rush. You feel so good. And I work out in the morning. I work. I wake up. Everyone. I don't know if no, no one probably knows this. I abs- rise absurdly early in the morning. I'm a big morning person, so I wake up maybe around 4:30 in the morning, and I work out at 6 a.m. You're crazy. So I get everything done. Very early, and the whole rest of the day, you feel so good because you've already gotten all your exercise in. Yeah, and then you're like, I can go to In and Out because I worked out. Oh wait, no, that <laughs> no. doesn't work. That doesn't quite work that Maybe way. Maybe you can go to In and Out. I can't go to the In and Out. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah, if I end up uh, doing double duty, that's for sure. I could do two workouts, so maybe I can go to In and Out. That's how it works. But uh, coming off a midweek LA Galaxy game, a three-two loss. Wow, that sounds familiar. Uh, a three-two <laughs> loss to FC Dallas. That sounds familiar. It's like a broken record. I, I want to like cut and paste my FC Dallas game loss from the previous game. The things that happened in the first FC Dallas game where they were in Dallas, they lost 3-2, to two, they almost mirrored themselves completely and totally perfectly in this game. And it should be a reminder to LA Galaxy fans, at least in my opinion, Wendy, that the LA Galaxy are not better than FC Dallas because they beat them twice and they beat them twice down a man. All right, FC Dallas is the better team. If you're trying to figure out where the Galaxy are, in my mind, Wendy, they're not better than FC Dallas, which kind of stinks because I think that they could be if they could focus for longer than about 20 minutes at a time. Yes, and there's two. There's one important lesson to be drawn from two points that you just made. The first is that um, the LA Galaxy has the talent to beat LA Dallas, to, to beat FC Dallas, and yet in two different instances they did not produce an outcome in which they did so, which leads you to ask the question, you know, why two times in a row does a team that has the talent to beat FC Dallas not do so? The second is that we had duplicate games with the same team very near in time to one another, which demonstrates that whoever is coaching the team did not learn lessons from the first game after watching how it came out about that FC Dallas team and then applied them to the second game played maybe a month later. Yeah, it's not even a month. It's like a couple weeks. It's about three weeks separated. But yeah, you 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 hit the nail on the head here. Here's the biggest frustration, and we can start. The good news is I always like when there's frustration with the lineup because that's usually what you want to talk about first. So you can dig right into one of the biggest issues of this game is the lineup that Siggy Schmidt put out. Now, he was talking about how uh, after the San Jose game that they were going to rotate some players and rest some players, and you saw that Ashley Cole came on in the second half in that game, that there was some, some tiny rotation 
situation going on in San Jose, but I was assuming, and I assumed incorrectly, because I guess I'm just an idiot, um, that the LA Galaxy were focusing on this FC Dallas game. Wendy, you, you, as a coach, in my mind, you have to sit there and say, okay, how good is my team? What games am I likely to win? Whenever you have a congested little schedule like this, what games am I likely to win? Which game do I have to have the A-plus lineup for? And if so, if you were looking at these games coming up and you had three games and you actually have four games in rapid succession, you had FC Dallas, you have Portland on the weekend, you come home for an Open Cup game, which likely starters won't be a part of at all. So really, that's not part of this whole congested schedule whenever you look at it. And then you have an RSL game, okay? So those are your three games. So if you look at those games, you have to say that one RSL is probably the game that you're most likely to win out of those three games, right? Well, the Open Cup game, I certainly hope we just, win. Just toss that one out for right now because, like I okay. said, I don't think the starters are going to play in that. I think it's a mostly reserve lineup. I think they're going to pull up LA Galaxy 2 players to play in it because it's an amateur side. So I would expect that you're not going to see any starters um, play in that game. That's my that's my expectation. So throw that out. So if you just have these three league games, you go FC Dallas. At, so you're home to FC Dallas, away to Portland, and home to Real Salt Lake. Those okay, are, so, right. So, so we lose to Portland. We could beat RSL, and Dallas is the one that's closest where we could win if we play well. We will lose if we play badly. That's so, so. so yeah. So the so if you're looking at one that says you have to have a plus lineups probably for RSL and probably for FC Dallas because Portland is away, it's on turf, it's against a really hot team. You have to travel. It's a short turnaround. All these things are working against you in Portland. So you have to focus on FC Dallas. That's the nearest game. You can say okay, let's focus on it. So what does he do? Siggy Schmidt goes and he starts Daniel Starris, a guy who started against FC Dallas at right back when they lost the last time 3-2 to two and looked completely disconnected from the team. They torched him on that side. You went and put him back at right. Is this is this one of those things like it's a redemption tour? Is, is Daniel Starris I, supposed to like prove that it wasn't he, he wasn't as bad as what he was? And I was so confused when I saw the lineup and I was looking at him like this can't be right. They, they can't. No, no, no. They can't be playing stairs at right back. That's not possible. Yeah, not, I was not again. baffled. Yeah. Baffled. Well, okay, so so here's my argument. And here's the thing. I, I want to be very clear about this. I think Daniel Stairs is getting a lot of heat, and it's not his fault. Daniel Stairs is not a right no, back. No, no, it, Some it's, of it is his fault. It's, he's not a right back. Why? If you keep putting him in places, it's like, oh, look, Rafa Garcia can't play right back. Well, yeah, because he's not a right back. Oh, look, Jossie Zardes can't play right back. Yeah, because he's not a right back. Daniel Starris has always been a center back. So if you're going to get on his case, then whenever he plays center back and fails, you can get on his case. He has never been a right back. The Galaxy have two other right backs they could be playing. They could be playing Emre Clementa, who has been playing and hasn't been great, All right, but at least he's a right back. Or you could put Dave Romney, who's technically, I will argue this to the day I die, who's technically a center back, but can play the left back and right back roles just fine. So why... Do you go and put Daniel Starris in a position that he failed before against the very same team he failed against in the same spot to be set up to be to, to fail again? That's that's where I have, I have the biggest no issue. Idea. No idea. I was so confused by the line. I mean, I realized the Docenti are gone. I realized that that is one thing. So obviously, Gio and Jonah, they're with El Tree. They're playing with the national team. So you have to create a lineup. And I, but I, when I looked at it, I was like, what, what Kamara's on the wing again? What is going on? That was, that's expected. Even though I don't like it, that's expected (laughs) right now with Ibrahimovic and and Kamara because they both play the same position and Siggy Schmidt is trying not to. Here's the biggest problem. 
you could probably, and I've been arguing this for a while, and they even showed you a little bit of this in the second half that we can talk about, but you can put Kamara up above Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Okay, we, we know this yes. can happen, and, and we all like that idea. But the problem is that then how many midfielders does that leave you? Because Zlatan is not going to play midfield. He's going to be a striker. So that leaves you with four midfielders, right? And that means that you're going to get out, cut, out ta- or, or outnumbered by an FC Dallas team who, granted, lines up in a 4-3-3, but Diaz and Barrios, um, they both drop into the midfield, so they technically have five midfielders whenever they need it. So then you get the five-on-four in the midfield, and Zlatan's not coming back to play defense. And so is, is, is Kamara, the only one we know will come back and play defense? Do you want him to run by Zlatan as he goes to play defense and then run back up in front of him? So this is the biggest disconnect right now, and it's not even... In my mind, Wendy, it's not even Ibrahimovic's fault. He's never played defense his entire life. I know. It's not like, I know, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know. That lineup, though, stares it right back. It's it's not It's not good. How do you come up with this? How? Dave Romney is... What what what's wrong with Dave Romney? What would he do? No. Why is he? Wh- wh- why? Yeah, no. Why there, can't Dave Romney play? There's no there's no there's no excuse for this. And even I don't know why you don't just put again FC Dallas. This is probably the game that's going to be the hardest for you to win, but it's the one you have a chance to win because you're at home. Why don't you just go with Cole Shelvick, Siani, and Romney in a formation that is that is familiar to all of them with guys that are familiar. Now, granted, they, they put Tomas Hilliard Arce in there, and I thought he did okay. Um, I wasn't, I didn't. Hard to tell. I, Hard to tell. He, he ended up, I think, having um, like six headers that he won. He was confident in some areas. He was not confident in others. Sometimes that confidence, that lack of confidence came because Daniel Starris was partnered next to him. Um, what, so what was the thinking in this coaching staff and all their benevolent wisdom? What why? Why? Why were they thinking Daniel Stairs right back? Well, I'm guessing they wanted to give people a break. Clementa has been coming out early in the games whenever he's been playing it right back. So you know that he's probably tired and he's played two games in a row. So they probably wanted to rest him perhaps for a Portland game. I don't know idea. It's so hard to just uh, to figure it out. So they wanted the rest players. That's the idea that they went with with this. This is why Siggy went with this lineup is that he was trying to rest some people. Okay. Um, he was Dave tra- Romney is like 23, 24 years old, yeah. and he hasn't even been playing full 90-minute I mean, he could play. He could easily have played 90 minutes in that game. He could have. Assuming he's healthy. He I, is. I, he's not injured. No, is, he's is not. Is he injured? No, he's not. No, he's okay. not. He's, he's fine. He's he's probably tired from the last... He's been playing a bunch of games. He's probably tired from that. But again, he's younger. You don't have that many games left here. Again, Portland is not the important game here. This is what I think happened. This is this is my opinion. I don't have anything to go off of except that I think Siggy Schmidt thought for a second, hey, how do I win both of these games? And then what I need is I need to get these players to fill in for this. That way they're not tired. And then I can go up to Portland and win that game as well. When instead, he should have known the Galaxy aren't that good. Right now, they're not. They're actually, um, as I believe somebody said, they suck. Um, they, they, so they're not that good. They're going against a good FC Dallas team and they're going against a really good and hot Portland team. You should have looked at that Portland game and written it off. You should have said, Hey, we're not going to have Ola Kamara there. He's going to be away on international duty. Uh, Zlatan's going to be up top. Maybe that works better. Maybe that's more comfortable for everybody in terms of the formation, but that's not the most important game. The important game is to win your games at home. And I think Siggy Schmidt, in trying to win two games, Wendy, instead of just trying to win one, the one that was in front of him, overthought this to the death. 
There's no reason for it. The defense certainly suffered. You saw the Galaxy go down three goals to nothing, by the way, which is different than when they lost to Dallas the first time. In Dallas, they went down 2-1 to one and then 3-1. to one. But in this case, it was 3 nothing before the LA Galaxy finally shifted into an offensive set that they could sort of plow forward with, and and that's what ended up allowing them some success. The red card helped. Um, you know, there were a lot of things in this, but it just, in, in my mind, and Siggy Schmidt even said so afterwards, he said, I have to look at myself to see if I made some mistakes, and I was, I think I may have been nodding up and down whenever he was saying it. Um, <laughs> because because he did. He made a mistake. He overthought it in this case. And you can't start Daniel Starris and Hilliard Arce next to each other um, and expect that the defense is going to be able to keep somebody like FC Dallas. When he, the, the first FC Dallas goal was a thing of beauty. That's gorgeous oh, playing. Oh, that was a great goal. Yeah, yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's gorgeous playing. It's it's you know tiki taka. Uh, it was it was one touch passing. They had the galaxy so confused. They were dropping into places. They were moving around. Nothing happened. And then uh, Hollingshead puts the goal in. So that's great. That's that's what they're supposed to be doing. The second one, a little blown coverage by Ashley Cole in the back post. There was also blown coverage, just allowing the freaking cross to come in as well. So. Um, lots of things there. And the third goal, you really can't even blame the Galaxy. They're already pressing forward to try to get back into the game at 2 to nothing. And this is the same pattern that we've seen repeated over and over again, as far as I'm concerned. There's there's nothing new in this game, Wendy. There's no improvements that you saw from this Galaxy. In fact, I think they took a step backwards, even from the horrible games they played against San Jose and Montreal. The only good parts about those that they won both of those games. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. So the question is... And this is something that I talked about with my boyfriend for 20 minutes in the car on the way back, which is clearly the coaching staff is not working for this team right now. They are failing the team because the LA Galaxy, these players, this group of players has the talent to compete in this league and to win. There we have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. We have Roman Alessandrini. We have Jonathan DeSantos. We have Sebastian Legette. We have Ashley Cole. We have Ola Kamara. We have any number of very talented players who can play and win in this league, and yet they're not winning. And I don't think it's a question of they're not they're not committed, with the exception of Giovanni Dos Santos. I think the players generally are really committed to the team. They want to win. They're willing to work hard. And yet something, obviously, formations and other things is leading them to lose. So the coaching staff is not succeeding right uh, at their goal so who this is, this is what we talked about who should be the next la galaxy coach if you want to fire ziggy shit yeah i, I caught that that was good ziggy schmidt i believe is what you're looking for <laughs> if you want to fire ziggy schmidt tomorrow and his cohorts then who yeah and uh, my boyfriend recommended the newly fired coach of chivas de guadalajara uh matias almeida um, I, but I am open to any other suggestions that anyone wants to throw out there. Zidane, right? Zidane is the other Z- one that's in oh, there. Yeah. Oh, of course mm-hmm. Zidane will not be coaching for Real Madrid. Why don't we give him a call? I think, I think he would be more than, don't you think? I mean, he's just probably tired <laughs> of like winning championships and he wants to come to MLS because it's an up and coming league and he's so tired of La Liga and the Champions he's, League. He's very, he's very impressed with the strides that we've made. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's, he's probably, that's probably why he quit. Gall- I'm sure Chris Klein called Zinedine Zidane and said, hey, we know that you're done. We we know that you could you could stay with Real Madrid and probably win another uh, Champions League trophy if you wanted to. But why don't you come coach the LA Galaxy? And he was like, "You're right. I'm going to quit." And that's probably what what forced all this. Yeah, I know it's one of those. You've it's, been having some lucid dreams. 
I, I, people have been talking. I get these all the time where people are like, oh, we should get Z uh, Zidane. Oh, and then he can bring over Cristiano Ronaldo and we can sell the Dos Santos <laughs> brothers. I love this stuff. I mean, I know, people's eyes are a little bit bigger than their belly. Sometimes it, it, it's the only thing that keeps me going through a, through a busy day, Wendy, is some of these pipe dreams that people have. And I, I enjoy that a lot. Um, you know, I would love to see somebody like Greg Burhalter come over to the LA Galaxy. I love Greg Burhalter. I listen, I know there's people out there who's saying it's Caleb Porter. I do not believe Caleb Porter is going to be coaching at MLS anytime soon. Um, so just sort of take that what you will. I, I if the Galaxy go that direction, I would be shocked. Um, you know, they're gonna have to be if they go another direction, I like the uh the Chivas de Guadalajara coach. Um, I've heard lots of great things about him. I don't to, uh, follow a ton of Liga MX, so I've been relying on other people who know things that said he's that say he's a great coach. Uh, Juan Carlos Osorio was also kicked around because he, everybody thinks that he's going to get fired or he's going to resign after Mexico gets knocked out in the round of 16 in the World Cup, um, which is, I, if nobody knows that joke, that's when they always get knocked out, so that's, that's Well, why. also, it's interesting because Osorio apparently has the most like the most win winningest record among L tree coaches in the past five or 10 years. Cause you know, L tree, they go through coaches left and right. I mean, right. they have like six months and then the next one comes in because they pull the trigger on firing people even faster than we do. But I mean, apparently he's wins games and he's just, but he just hates the, um, the press and the negative attention so much that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think he would probably enjoy being in the United States a lot better, um, than, than he does in Mexico. Mexico is high pressure. <laughs> That's like a, a thankless job being any, if you're a Mexican player or, or a Mexican coach, you, you can't do anything right. There is no, there is no right that you can do, um, for the most part. And so I, I think maybe, you know, a lot right, of guys. Osorio. All right. I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board with all three of them. In fact, okay. Osorio, Almeida, Bearhalter. I'm on board yep. with all three of them. Go yeah. ahead. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anybody. I mean, li listen, there's names out there that I'm never going to guess. Those are sort of the guys. I like Greg Burhalter. I think he would do really well with an LA Galaxy team. He just is sort and of I a no-nonsense sort of ahead. guy. I also think it's interesting because the Columbus crew have that whole uh, conundrum right now with the fact that the ownership is attempting to move them to Austin. And so Bearhalter may be in a position where he either, you know, it's not that he wants to abandon his team or anything, but maybe he is considering the fact that, you know, there's so much in flux with respect to the crew that maybe it would benefit him yep, to it, come it could, to LA Galaxy. It could. I mean, certainly Ola Kamara wanted to leave that situation, one, because they weren't going to pay him the money that he thought he deserved, and he got that with the Galaxy, and two, because I don't think he wanted to be part of any of that sort of relocation talk or anything that's going on uh, with Columbus and, and moving to Austin and all those fun things, especially even with FC Cincinnati coming into the league now. Those those two could have been really good rivals. Don Garber said as much, and he also said that, uh, you know, if we want to see that going, we still have a lot of work to do in, with Columbus to see if we can make that happen. It was just, it was one of those, like, throw a bone to people. People like, oh, there's still a chance. There's no chance. They've already made that decision. So, um, in my mind, well, at well, least. yeah. But wait a second. The city of Columbus owns the stadium, and they filed a lawsuit against yeah. the team to prevent them from breaching their lease. And the penalties associated with the lease of that sort, sometimes, oftentimes, sports teams have leases that exceed. 20, 30, 40, or even 50 years with the team and the penalties associated with a breach of lease of that nature could run into the millions, tens of millions. It could be a lot of money. It could be. It could be. I think from from my non-lawyer lawyer mind that's been following all this is that they, <laughs> they seem to feel like Columbus is, uh, is throwing a Hail Mary there and trying to make that happen. And that's going to be a tough thing to sort of enforce. And this is the first time that this is really trying to be enforced. Um, so it's, it, I think it has a lot of road bumps there, but anyway, to get, to get away from that, I mean, Burhalter in my mind is, is one of the guys I've liked for a while. I would love to see him. I mean, Peter Vermees is never leaving Sporting Kansas City as far as I'm concerned. Um, and 
you know, he's still like sort of the end of an era there in terms of one guy managing it all. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think the next person you bring in, you're going to have to have GM, a real GM, because um, the Galaxy technically don't have a general manager right now. Um, they just have general manager duties that are split between everybody and all sorts of things. Um, I think Jurgen Klinsmann needs a job. I was going to say that was somebody in the <laughs> chat room just brought that one up too. Uh, he's hanging out at the coffee shop in Costa Mesa. So if you want to, if you want to talk to him, he lives a month. He lives within, he could possibly walk to the StubHub center from where he lives. He lives in Manhattan beach. He could literally take 10 minutes to get to the StubHub center. Yeah. Yeah, oh, he'd probably take his helicopter, though. That was, uh, yes, might, he yeah. does love his chopper. Yes, so, um, but no, I mean, those are sort of the, the names that pop up. I think that there are other on there that we would never have considered, um, but I think that an international coach is not out of the question as it was in years past just because it's like, hey, an international coach doesn't understand Major League Soccer. I don't think that's the same um, as as it was. So it, it's certainly certainly interesting. Another question that sort of popped up on this lineup, though, as we as we transfer trans go back to this Dallas game, though, Wendy is um, people are asking why didn't Boateng start after he has been a real difference maker mm -hmm. in the last couple games. So uh, we can talk a little bit about that. He, and then I want to talk. So let's talk about these two things: is that Boateng didn't start, why he didn't start, um, and then uh, there's a giant hole in the middle of the LA Galaxy offense. Um, it's, it's gigantic. In fact, I was drawing air circles on it for most of the night with, uh, with Larry Morgan, who writes for corner of the galaxy. Uh, he sits next to me in the press box. I go, look, look at the middle. Look, look, there's nobody in the middle. Look, there's nobody in the middle, Larry. Who are they going to pass to? And there was nobody there. Um, and this is where we get into those problems. So I'll, I'll start with Boateng here. I will tell you why I think Boateng's not starting is because he is way too effective coming off the bench. And we've seen it over and over again. Um, now he has cemented himself, even though I may not necessarily like the way he plays, it sim somehow becomes effective sometimes. Um, and especially in a second half, especially in a game where you have guys who are tired and have been running, you can put Emmanuel Boateng in there and you do get a spark. And if the LA Galaxy, Wendy, were in a position where they were up one nothing or they, it was 0-0 and you bring in Emmanuel Boateng, all of a sudden you have, you have something going on there. But the problem is the Galaxy, in my opinion, can't actually get to that point where bringing in Emmanuel Boateng is really going to change things up. They, they did it against Montreal. Um, they did it against San Jose. So that, that's sort of the, the, the game plan that I see for Boateng. But I understand. I know why people say they want to see him start. And he is the only speedy thing on that field whenever he shows up. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that Emma would be a great super sub if we were otherwise functioning and firing all, on all cylinders. But since we're not, I think what a lot of people are thinking is that even if he exhausts himself over the course of an entire game, and ultimately you really do have to remove him somewhere around the 75th minute because he's just wiped, uh, for those 75 minutes, he is putting forth a huge effort, and he does create activity. I mean, I know, I think his judgment in the final third when he gets in front of goal is really lacking, but when he is up and down shuttling runs and overlapping runs, I think he's can be effective. And I think when people look at the team, they're saying, we understand that this is not probably his optimal role if, if we were functioning properly. But since we're not, and we have so many games clustered together, we could he, he will function perfectly fine on the wing for a game. And if we're desperate for pieces because we're exhausted, we want to rotate players, as Ziggy probably wants to do, then, okay, put him in the game because it makes sense, especially since you have this whole issue of, well, we want to, I mean, if you... If you have Boateng on the win, you can move another person in the middle. You can move Leggett in the middle. You can have, you know, 
You could put in Kamara as a second striker. You could, instead of trying to put Kamara on the wing, you know, it's just, I think people are thinking it's a rational thing to do, even if it's not the optimal thing to do. Yeah, it, it, it provides a different dimension. I understand it. It makes sense. I will tell you this, that moving, and, and it goes to my second point, the giant hole in the middle of formation, that giant hole is because of Sebastian Legette. Um, Sebastian Legette is, one, has not found his groove at all this year. We have not seen him look really comfortable. And two, is not that center player that I think everybody hoped he would be, that he was sort of trying to pick up whenever he was with the U.S. men's national team. I'll tell you this right now. He tends to drift outside and wide and go up to the top of the line more than he ever does sit in the middle and be that playmaker. And even when Jonathan Dos Santos is on the field playing in that position, the Galaxy don't have that distributing playmaker in the center of the field to fill this giant um, I don't know, sometimes it's like 50% of the field uh, hole that sits in the middle of that formation. And it's Legette pushing up high. It's Kamara pushing up high. You can go and look at the front line sometimes, Wendy, and you have Alison Drini, Ibrahimovic, Kamara, Legette, um, and anybody else who's over there. Sometimes a, d- a defender will overlap, and you'll have five or six guys all sitting on the, on the top line. Um, it's not making any sense. You're not getting late runs in that position either. And if you saw the LA Galaxy go down the field multiple times and pass to the center of the field, there's nobody there because that late run isn't happening. Everybody's making the first run. Uh, Kamara and Zlatan are making the first run and they're covering each other. Um, and so the Galaxy need to figure this part out. And it was something, I think it's something they have to address this summer is they have to find a playmaker. And however they need to do that, they need to find a number 10. If that means getting rid of Giovanni Dos Santos and Jonathan Dos Santos, um, I would I would get rid of Gio in a heartbeat. Jonathan, you know, if you have to make the deal, then he goes with Gio. But they have to find somebody in the center because it's not Sebastian Legette right now. It's not Ola Kamara. And then when there's nobody in the middle, Wendy, what happens is they push somebody like Perry Kitchen forward because he's trying to fill in that space. And then the Galaxy get beat coming back the other way. And Kitchen's not playing that defensive midfielder role. Or Carrasco steps up into it. Not his role either. The double pivot fails. It all falls apart. And that's what you saw last night against a much better organized FC Dallas team. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, it's sort of like a function of illness. One illness infects the rest of the body. And there's so many problems that you can diagnose ultimately that come back to the fact that Giovanni Dos Santos is just never worked for the LA Galaxy. Because ultimately, yes, Giovanni Dos Santos is the theoretical playmaker. You could put him right there in the center and he could be the person who distributes to other players. You know, he's trying to circulate the ball around the field. He could be an attacking midfielder. That's theoretically what he does. But since he can't and he doesn't, well then, okay, then Perry Kitchen feels that he needs to push up and that leaves the back four unprotected and our defensive line is not already that good. And then Zlatan has to drop back and then he starts acting as an attacking midfielder and he's playing out of position and since he doesn't play defense... That opens up our defense, you yep. know, to attacks. And so it's one of these things where one problem, it has uh, tentacles and it, it reaches out like a spider across the entire field where everyone essentially is hampered in their job because there's this one thing which is just no one refuses to fix. And so this is going to be a problem as long as Giovanni Dos Santos is on the team. Yeah, or or any of the other guys that they decide to get. I mean, you know, yeah, get rid of Ola Kamara. I mean, if you want to. Because, yeah, you could do that as well. Get rid of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Anybody you can get rid of to get a number 10 at this point, it doesn't matter because the Galaxy don't have one, and they certainly aren't playing like anybody can fill that role. But it would be absurd to get a number 10 when we're paying $5 million a year to a number 10. You're paying, like, that's you're, just it's, ridiculous. It's, it's worse than that, Wendy. You're paying $6 million a year to a, <laughs> to a, 
to a false nine or a what well, I don't know. Nobody really actually knows where Giovanni dos Santos is supposed to play because he's never actually figured it out at any of the clubs he's been at. Um, so yeah, that's how it is. Uh, somebody just in the chat room says that Gio is a nine point five, which is probably true. He's probably <laughs> somewhere between a nine and somewhere between a ten, but he's not either of them, and he's far away from both of them. So as far as ways you can get from a nine, as far as way you can get from ten, nine and a half sounds about right. Um, yeah, I mean the the galaxy needs to get rid of Giovanni dos Santos. There's nothing else I can say about it except they need to get rid of him. I hope he has the greatest World Cup in the history of World Cups. I hope he wins the Golden Boot and shocks the world with his prowess because we need someone to take him off our hands. I hope, I mean, I, 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 you know, a, a big L tree team, Tigres, could take him. They have money. I mean, you know, there's there's a number of L tree teams since he is a Mexican national team who probably would take him. Um, but we have to offload him. We but, must. But will it's they, an imperative. But will they spend $6 million on him? Those, I mean, I listen. Don't, I that, don't care. I, I think, I, I lose money. Lose money on the deal. I Just th- get rid of him. I think Gio is as much of a pipe dream. Getting rid of Gio and Jonathan Dos Santos, while it makes sense um, in terms of financially and what the Galaxy can do and how it works, um, I think that's as much of a pipe dream almost as getting, you know, Zinedine Zidane to come to the to the galaxy right now. It just doesn't feel like that. I, I refuse to let bring any hope to anybody in this, and we've talked about these rumors, but I refuse to bring you hope to saying that that's going to happen uh, because it's just to me that takes a large shift in the mentality of the front office and how much do you how much do you trust the that front office to make that shift? And it's just it's like okay, I've seen what happened over the last you know two years. I don't. I don't trust that front office to make that shift. So now, now what? Now well, what? Why do you do? would they? I mean, ultimately, like this is a situation where the the current front office inherited a team that made the playoffs. It wasn't my favorite LA Galaxy team, but it was a playoff LA Galaxy team. In the ensuing two years, the team reached the worst it's ever done in the history of the franchise, and then is on its way to being yet another terrible year. And then they extended Chris Klein's contract. Yeah. So what does Chris Klein have over Dan Beckerman? Either Dan Beckerman has a dead body in his basement from someone that he has killed and Chris Klein knows about it and is con- secretly concealing it from him, or Dan Beckerman just does not pay attention to this team and does not know anything about soccer and has no idea that the front office that he's currently employing is a bunch of um, uh not suited for their current positions. Well, not it's it's uh, if you want to go and compare last year to this year, and I did this, and people yell at me for some reason. They're like, you can't compare last year to this year. It's such a different team, and blah blah blah. I don't know. There's some people who really just like to hear themselves talk. I mean, I love to hear myself talk, Wendy. It's why I have a podcast. But I mean, <laughs> at the same time, I try to at least keep myself somewhere like you know grounded in reality. Um, the LA Galaxy in 2017 through 13 games was five five and three. They had 18 points and they had a zero goal differential, scoring 19 goals, giving away 19 goals. Not great. Not great. Not horrible, actually, whenever you look at how they ended ended this, uh, ended this the year. But anyway, through that, that's how it was, and, and that's where it was. They were, uh, they were 19, or excuse me, uh, 18 points through those 13 games. The LA Galaxy of 2018, currently 5-7-1, 16 points. So two points worse than the worst team in franchise history, which was that 2017 team. Uh, and they have scored one less goal and allowed three more goals. They're at a minus four goal, goal differential right now. Now, 
I, just to put that in perspective, because I like to give you everybody an idea of what the Galaxy have been working with so far this year, um, I can give you, you know, sort of what the average opponent rank of the LA Galaxy's opponents has been, and it has been a difficult schedule. It absolutely is. There's no denying it. Uh, right now, the average rank of every team that the Galaxy have played so far this year, Wendy, is 9.3. So you're talking about the top 10 teams in the league that the Galaxy basically have been playing through these first 13 games. Um, that's tough. Their average points per game of those opponents is 1.57, which actually puts them well into, you know, that upper um, that upper half, um, maybe almost the upper third of the league right now in terms of what that points per game is. So they've been having a tough road, and if you look at the schedule coming up, Wendy, you can see there's some chances that the Galaxy can take some points. So, I mean... Um, I like to try to figure out where, how good the Galaxy are. We've been trying to see, you know, who can they beat, who can they not beat, right? And so on average, the teams they have beaten have an average table position of 14.4, okay? So a little bit below halfway in the league is where the Galaxy sit in terms of the teams they have beat so far. Their best team that they beat so far was LAFC, who currently sits 7th in the Supporters' Shield, uh, and Portland, who sits 8th in the Supporters' Shield right now, but that was a much different Portland team whenever the Galaxy played them at the beginning of the year. So um, if you look at the losses and the teams that they've lost to, Wendy, you can see that the losses here are top five, as in the average opponent rank of their losses is 5.0. So top five in the league are the teams that they're losing to. That's not horrible whenever you sit there. And that's actually pretty tough. But it also shows that the Galaxy aren't that good. And that's that's sort of the other part to this. But that's that's looking the in the reason, mirror. Okay, so but the reason they're not there good is not because of a lack of talent. There is talent on the team. The talent is not creating what it should be creating. The reason for that right now, I think, is largely coaching, although ultimately it has to be the front office because the front office hires the coach. Yeah, you can you can certainly draw the lines. I, I agree with you on that. I, it's, there's also a ton of that. Um, I was talking to somebody who's a longtime observer of the league. They said, wait till after, uh, you know, wait till after the World Cup, wait till the end of July to really see this team. This person tends to take an optimistic view that the Galaxy are still trying to learn each other um, that they're still trying to um, fit each other in and throwing Zlatan into that mix after they had a preseason without him um, has screwed up that team and you can see that. You can see how uncomfortable the guys are. Uh, they were much more comfortable in the Montreal and San Jose games whenever Zlatan wasn't on the field. And that's not saying the Galaxy are a better team without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I don't believe that. But I believe that how they have to try to fit him into the into the lineup is something that is causing the team some heartache right now in, in terms of how they line up. Um, and that, again, goes to coaching. I, I agree 100%. They have to figure out a way to to attack some of these things, to, to figure out, to give players some clear and concise information. If you've listened to players talk after the game, Wendy, you can hear them talking about how they're confused in positioning. Zlatan Ibrahimovic said it, that the team is confused in positioning. And whenever you're confused in positioning, in terms of not understanding, and it's not... It's not like they don't know where to be. It's they don't know where to be at a certain time with the guys that are around them. So it's a chemistry issue as well. Um, but he says that whenever you play a team that's well-organized and a team like FC Dallas, who's been playing the same system for a while, under Oscar Pereja, who I think is a great coach. You want to talk about a coach that maybe the LA Galaxy, it would be kind of fun to see what what could happen. Oscar Pereja might be um, great to see what he would do with the lineup the LA Galaxy have. Uh, he tends to be more creative. But anyway, you look at those, it's whenever you play against a more organized team like FC Dallas, you're going to get beat. And that's what Zlatan basically said. And I want to I want to actually get to some post-game comments because I have a whole bunch of them here. Okay. Um, I had my, my assistant, Matt, um, broke all these down. So I want to make sure I play some of them so that way all of his effort wasn't in vain. So let's hear from Ashley Cole first. Uh, and then we have some from Siggy and we have some from Zlatan and we can sort of jump around a little bit. So here's Ashley Cole uh, talking about the game. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. I think 
we didn't come out uh, in the first half how we've kind of wanted to. Uh, and again at home, we, we conceded kind of sloppy goals. All right, there's Ashley Cole real quick. Let's go to Ashley Cole uh, talking a little bit about um, the, the tactical problems that uh, the LA Galaxy have. Yeah, when we, when we kind of go behind, we just start obviously playing long balls. Uh, it's not ideal. You know, we scored two goals from it today, but, you know, we have better quality than just hitting long balls. Uh, uh, kind of worked today in the end, but, yeah, I hope we don't keep going down because I'm, I'm not a fan of keep hitting long balls, to be honest. We, we, like I said, we've got the quality to play. Uh, I just think we have to move and work for each other a little bit more to create chances. I think we're, we're playing too much in our positions and not kind of having the freedom. Ah, uh, see, okay, so a little, a little insight there. There's two things I want to take from that, Wendy, that, that Ashley called the last thing there. Um, one is playing too many long balls. Uh, that is a symptom of Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And two is playing too much in our positions and with not enough freedom, which is interesting mm. because he's not saying they don't know where their positions are. He's saying that there's not enough flow. I mean, you're talking about, mm. again, listen to Ashley Cole when he speaks boys and girls. I mean, this is this is as clear as I can make it. Ashley Cole knows what he speaks about. He is a, mm. he is a, he is a football genius in terms of I the only person I've ever met who's smarter with football was probably Nigel Young. Um but yes. Ashley Cole and gets it. Actually, Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo gave an interview this week in which he said that Ashley Cole was the single hardest defender he ever had to play against. It, it makes sense. Ashley Cole is extremely smart. So he's talking about that. Now, let's go ahead and do a little comparison here. I'm going to try to do this. Hopefully, I get the right one. Let's hear what Siggy Schmidt had to say about oh, no. some of the formation stuff and see if you can pick the differences with Ashley Cole. Know. Here we go. Well, part of it is me because I made some lineup changes. Uh, in there because I thought, you know, with the game coming up with Portland, we needed to make sure we had some guys who were fresh. Um, you know, so the you know, first thing I'm going to do is analyze whether I made the right decisions. But obviously there's opportunities. You know, we've, we've got, you know, more than 11 players on this team. And, uh, you know, when your number's called, you got to be ready. But uh, just our intensity, uh, our, uh, our uh, desire, our drive, our determination, and the first and the first 15 20 minutes of the game was not good. Yeah, I disagree with Siggy on a lot of that stuff. Here's the actual yeah. clip that I wanted to get to uh, for his tactical thing. So here it is. I think the whole team's frustrated with today's performance. You know, it's not just Ebra. I think we're all frustrated. Uh, obviously, you know, he again, he changes how we play. We end up playing more balls in the air. We got to get onto second balls more often and uh, our service has to improve our crossing uh, it's too inconsistent. It's too hit and miss. And when Ebra's on the field, crossing the ball and being able to uh, get onto balls in the air becomes a strength of our team. So, you know, that part of our game needs to improve. You had Ashley Cole saying that he doesn't like playing long, ball, long balls, and you have Siggy Schmidt saying that when Ebra comes on, you play long balls. Um, that, that to me is just, I mean, okay, so if we have our red flags, then go ahead and start waving your red flag, because that's a red flag. That's that's a that's a problem. And whether it's Ashley Cole's problem or whether it's Siggy Schmidt's problem, Ashley Cole Wendy right now is a guy who uh, who gets to sit in on coaching um, uh, I think coaching Ashley sessions. Cole should be coach. What about that? You could you could absolutely do it. 
If you wanted to, you could you could absolutely Can I nominate say that. him. Um, you can't. I don't know that he has all his licenses yet. I think he's working on it, which is why he's sort of in the coaches' sessions and doing stuff. Yeah. And Ashley Cole, get your get your licenses, and I will nominate you to be LA Galaxy head coach. Yeah, it very well could be. But anyway, okay. So there's that. Let's let's get from Zlatan now a little bit because I know everybody likes to hear uh, Zlatan speak. Oh, so let me see. If I can find a good slot, let's go Zlatan now on his game recap. Zlatan usually talks for like 12 minutes at a time, so we'll see if uh, if this is the good one. So here's Zlatan. It's it's irritating, of course, when you lose the game. It's like I always say, it's never good. Uh, yeah, losing 3-0, chase the game. I played more than 800 games, and it's very difficult to win games when you're losing 2-3-0. Doesn't matter who you are, it's very difficult and. I think the the game against LAFC, we were losing 3-0, 1-4-3. Now everybody is like, yeah, if we lose 3-0, 4-0, yeah, yeah, we can catch it. 5-4 or a 4-3. But it's not easy. Whoever you play against is a difficult game. So and the game today was the same thing. 3-0, we, we tried to catch, we came to 3-2, and yeah, we lost the game. So it's very it's very how do you say triste. It's very boring to, to lose. And uh, it's never good to lose. So we we need to train harder. We need to do better, much better in the games. And uh, we had two games in a row where, where we won, and uh, today we lost. So so we look forward new game Saturday, I think, and uh, tomorrow we travel. And yeah, let's focus on the new game. And today, let's rest today. Let's think about it tomorrow. Let's go through it on Friday, so and let's play Saturday. All right, so Zlatan Ibrahimovic there. Um, I would like to point out that he did whenever he was searching for a word there, um, Wendy. He said uh, he said, "How do you say it?" And then he eventually says, "Boring." Right? <laughs> um, that's not the word he was looking for. At least we don't believe it was because he actually said something in Spanish. He said "triste." Uh, "Triste" is, oh, like, sad. is sad. Right. So whenever you look at it that way, it's sort of like oh. Oh, okay. Well, I think that that maybe tells the story better. Uh, Zlatan speaks like a bazillion languages, and Spanish mm-hmm. is one of them, although he says that he's not comfortable speaking it, but that was definitely Spanish and Triste, and, and I had a, an actual... It's also French. Yeah, Is it? What is it in, Fr- in French? Is Triste. it the same? Is, is Triste. It, is, wait, what is it? Triste. Okay, what does it mean? Same thing? Sad. Sad. Okay. Same so thing. you you spell it the same as Spanish and French. It's just you say it. Differently. Say it differently. Okay. Good. Well, we we so we sort of look. It's just a little insight, little picks like things that you can sort of take away yeah. from from these guys. So that's I mean that's what you have. You have Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, somebody's also saying that it, you know listless. Um, people people in the chat room saying Zlatan's <laughs> pretty spot on. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's sort of where we get. That's what you get from this game. This is a game I expected the LA Galaxy to lose. I thought they had a chance to get a point. I thought a draw would have been great. Um, they didn't play anywhere near that, and I will p- definitely lay this one at the feet of Siggy Schmidt in those lineup changes. There was no need to, in my opinion, uh, unless people are injured that we don't know about, which is not the case. Um, then they should have stuck with a lineup. He had been preaching, Wendy. He had been preaching before this the consistency in the defensive lineup. He had been preaching about how, yeah, we're starting to click because these guys. He even went. Uh, Larry Morgan went out to training, and he was talking to Siani and Shelvick, and they were talking about how, yeah, they're playing together now, and they're they're finally understanding each other in terms of, you know, their football language and how the two move with each other and how they work with each other. And they're finally understanding. And then he pulls them apart and doesn't put them there. Um, so it, it makes no sense to me. And if you're going to blame anybody on this one, I'm going with Siggy Schmidt. This was a loss that he put on. And it's a loss that he now drags into Portland whenever you look at that as well. Because now the team is 
doesn't have any more momentum. They lost that, Wendy. Um, they don't have Ola Kamara, who has been, who is tied for their leading goal scorer with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Uh, they both have five goals now. Zlatan got two in the in the FC Dallas game. Um, so, I mean, that's that's where you sit now. So now, what do you think, you know, you almost have to say, what are you going to get from Portland? And I think the answer is, yeah, we don't really know, you know? <laughs> well, we're going to lose to Portland. But I'm just saying that I... It, it, I think of this sometimes in terms of how, because uh, uh, I'm a lawyer, I think of it legally. And so I'd say, is this a situation where you would apply several liability, joint liability, or joint and several liability? Several liability is where you apportion fault according to how much a person is culpable. So that you lay 30% of fault. If Ziggy is 100% fault, that he gets 100% of the responsibility. That's several liability. Joint liability would be that all wrongdoers get 100% of the liability. So if if Chris Klein and P. Vianus and Ziggy Schmidt and Dominic Kamir, if they each have some role to play, then they each should be 100% held responsible for what happened in this case. And I kind of think in this situation, yes, Ziggy is 100% responsible, but if nothing changes, then... I'm going to apply joint liability and I will hold all of you responsible right. until you're fired. Because if you allow it to continue when someone is making poor decisions over and over and over again, you should be held responsible as well. Yeah. No, I, I, there's something to that. Uh, people in the chat room says, uh, Jim in the chat room says, everyone is at fault. Um, let's see. Uh, this is my favorite one. Uh, this was all caps, so I, I always enjoy an all caps comment. Josh, if LeBron can take the Cavs team to the, take that Cavs team to the NBA Finals, can he also take us to MLS Cup? <laughs> yes, yes is the answer. Yes is the answer. Uh, all right, I want to get to some calls that we had that came in. Um, we had let's start with uh, Keishan. Keishan was our uh, first caller here, calling from Ventura County. Hey, Josh, it's Keishan again, calling from Ventura County. Um, once again, I'm very sad, um, but this time I'm also really sick. I'm sick of our front office. I'm sick of Siggy and his lack of ideas. I'm sick of this team not having a style of play, which is Siggy's fault. I'm si- I'm sick of Zlatan getting frustrated with every player on the field when they misplace a pass when he also makes mistakes. I am sick of us only attacking and scoring when we're chasing the game, and I'm sick of our atrocious defending. Um, and I love this team, but I'm just so sick of my weeks being ruined by these losses and these poor performances and the lack of change. Anyway, thanks for the show. Keep it up. All right. There's uh, Keishan. I will only, I will only address, I think maybe a, a little part of that in terms of the LA galaxy scoring. They can only score when they're down uh, goals. Um, and that is, and it's an argument that we've been having on this podcast for a while, Wendy, that um, the LA Galaxy only get offensive, offensively minded whenever they're down two goals. Otherwise, Siggy Schmidt puts them in a conservative defensive stance and expects them to just, as he says, with a potent offense like the LA Galaxy have, which, Wendy, you already went through all of the wonderful players the LA Galaxy have on this team. So they have a potent offense. Siggy Schmidt says, well, this team will find a goal. Right, so the defense has to be the most important part. So then, okay, then why? 
Mm. It's not the best part of this team, that's for sure. Uh, it may be the most expensive part of, of anybody's uh, defense in Major League Soccer. They are the most expensive defense in Major League Soccer. Um, but it, it's not the most expensive part in terms of wh- how much the LA Galaxy spend. They spend more on the offensive side of things. They have more talent on the offensive side of the ball. And only when they get into offensive sets, you saw them go into a 3 2 3 2 to end the game. I had to do it in my head as I was doing it. A 3 2 3 2 to finish the game off um, was better. And so you sit there and say, okay, well, if you're scoring goals in that set, and yes, you're going to give up something defensively, but let's be honest, Wendy, between you and me, the defense ain't all that great anyway, right? So maybe you should try to... <laughs> no ask- defenders. Yeah. How about that? What's that? That's a radical idea. How about no defensive line? Yeah, it, it certainly is. Uh, it, it's I, I, It wouldn't be a horrible idea in terms of what the Galaxy have. But I mean, I think that if they rely more on the offense, if they put more pressure, if they set themselves up in more offensive sets, they're going to have... They, you've seen them score goals whenever they're down. They can do it. Um, it's just a matter of also defending while that happens. Um, even Ashley Cole going into that... Um, you know, I think that even Ashley Cole playing in the defensive midfielder was not a horrible idea. In fact, he got an assist on the night. And you, Ashley Cole is a world-class player, or at least he was a world-class player. He's certainly one of the best players on the field for the Galaxy whenever he's there. Give him the ball, let him distribute, let him find people, let him play some defense, but just you can't let him be a winger. He's got to sit a little bit in that DM side. Yeah, I agree. All right. Okay, good. I'm glad. Uh, let's go to uh, Sean calling from Arcadia. Uh this is Sean from Arcadia, and I've got a couple questions. What is up with VAR? It doesn't seem like they used it very effectively this, this game. Why is Darius still playing? He really looks bad this game. And what was up with the Dallas goalkeeper constantly crossing the line when he was kicking the ball and falling down and rolling around when nothing was happening? Pretty tough loss tonight. Thanks a lot. Hopefully we do better. All right, Wendy, do you want to attack any of those? Do you have anything in there that is uh, especially... Why is Starris still playing? I have no idea. VAR? I don't know what is going on with VAR. It is... I don't know how many times this season I've been saying, VAR? VAR? Right. Yeah. Like, shouldn't we have a VAR? Because, like, they don't seem to use it except when it hurts us. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm definitely the wrong person to assess what the hell is going on with VAR? Okay, so um, for everybody who was complaining about the referee and the calls last night, I hate to break it to you. The only call that he got wrong and the only card that VAR missed was the one that ended up giving uh, Coleman a red card because there was no way that was a red card on anybody. Um, they gave it to him for violent conduct, which he had, it was basically a hand to the face of Siani. Uh, the hand is barely to the face. If anything, it's certainly not violent conduct. Uh, they totally screwed that up. Drew Fisher, the referee totally screwed that up. Uh, Zlatan got called offside on a goal. Guess what? He was offside. VAR confirmed it after they originally raised the flag and called it. And even though he scored, he was offside. I saw the replay. That was correct. Uh, the handball in the, I think 83rd minute, um, that to me wasn't a handball. It was too close in terms of there is you have to, there's a couple things you have to take into account for handballs, which is stupid. I think they should change the rule that anytime the ball hits the hand, it's a handball. That's it. Because it doesn't matter. I don't care if it goes off your own foot and runs up your arm and hits your hand. It's a hand. If it nicks your finger, it's a handball. Just make it easy. If it touches your hand, it's a handball. We wouldn't have these arguments anymore. But uh, in this case, the Dallas's own player goes to clear it. Um, it. It's like, I think they're separated by less than half a yard whenever he kicks it. I mean, maybe three feet, maybe a full yard. There's no time for him to react, and his arm isn't sticking out there like he's going to try to block the shot of his own player to clear the ball, and it hits his arm, 
at his side. I had no problems with it. So everybody who wants to complain about the referees, the only thing the referee got wrong, there were two things in my mind. Two things and two things only. One is that red card to Coleman, which helped the LA Galaxy out, was one of the reasons they got that second goal. Um, and then the other one was he allowed Dallas to waste time. And granted, he stuck a whole bunch of added time on the end, Wendy, but he didn't produce yellow cards early enough for time wasting. And in fact, he didn't produce a yellow card until the 92nd minute uh, for time wasting. And Dallas started wasting time in the 60th minute or maybe even before that. As soon as they scored their third goal, they started wasting time. So Okay, so yeah. last night's game, okay. But how many times this season has there been a need for VAR and they just didn't use it? I can think of at least three. I mean, there's been multiple times this season where I've been like, I've been shouting, VAR, VAR, and, and no VAR. Yeah, um, most of the time that VAR has actually been, VAR has been used in all those situations. So. There's a difference between a check and a review. Um, and that's sort of, that's what, and they do a horrible job. And I've, uh, Kevin and I talked about it on Monday night. Um, they do a horrible job of communicating any of this stuff with, to, um, to players, to coaches, to press people, to fans. Um, it's just, they do it in the dark and apparently they don't care that they're, they're just alienating everybody from it. Most of the time the plays are checked. Um, by the VAR official. In fact, every play is basically checked by the VAR official. He's able to go back and look at all those plays. He can signal down whole thing. And they they even checked, you know, the VAR. They used it on the red card to Coleman. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those it's it's one of those things. In this game, uh, Drew Fisher screwed up by not issuing a lot of yellow cards to to FC Dallas early on for time wasting. Siggy Schmidt was critical of that, and you could understand why. Um, so that certainly made some sense there. But in terms of the overall refereeing, it wasn't actually that bad. There have been way worse games, and the Galaxy I have, as Wendy you pointed out, have gotten screwed way worse in the past um, by some refereeing, and this just wasn't that game. Um, I think they got it all time. Um, it, it's certainly one of those things. So uh, anyway, that's that's where it goes. So we so, appreciate. So why is Stair still playing? You have to answer his second question. I thought we already did. We didn't. We didn't have an answer for it. Remember? Okay. Yeah. There's. It's, there, there, it's unknowable. This is this is like Fermi's enigma. We are never going to solve this mathematical equation. Yeah, it's it's not going to. I can't. Um, I just I don't understand why he's playing it right back. Um, so yeah, it is, it's one of those things. He's, I, I don't get it. I, I've already said, I think Siggy Schmidt overthought it. He thought he could win two games where there was never a chance for him to win two games. He could maybe, we could have won one. Um, so he had to pick which one he wanted. Maybe he's choosing the Portland game as the game he thinks he can win, Wendy. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe we're looking at this from the wrong side. No, we're not. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying. I was trying there for a second. I was trying to give him a little bit and nothing. Let's go over some LA Galaxy news real quick before we get you through the standings and uh, and then prepared here for this Portland game. Uh, the LA Galaxy travel schedule. We're recording on Thursday night. LA Galaxy are already in Portland as we speak. Uh, they traveled up to Portland on Thursday, so the day after the game, they had no rest. They literally got on the plane and they will go up to Portland and they will train on Portland or tra- train in Portland on Friday. So Friday they will train. Saturday the game is at 2 p.m. Um, and they will leave from that game immediately after that game. They will go to the airport and uh, and get home. That's at least the plan right now. So as long as everything goes as planned, they will be back home in Los Angeles on Saturday night. And then of course we know they have a Wednesday U.S. Open Cup game, which is why they're trying to get everybody home and everybody back. Um, so that's uh, a little bit of stuff there. And of course that U.S. Open Cup game is against FC Golden State Force. Uh, I don't know why they couldn't add just another qualifier onto their name just to make it more FC Golden State Force, you know, Ajax or something. <laughs> they could, they definitely should have added one more. Uh, amateur team from the PDL, uh, the Premier Development League, 
They're based in Whittier. They beat the Las Vegas Lights 2-1 to one in their third round Open Cup game, uh, which, of course, gave us the chance of not... Uh, not having llamas come to StubHub Center because Las Vegas Lights plays with llamas, or they have llamas as their mascots. So we missed out big time on that one. Uh, So it's an amateur team. I do not expect, as I've said already, Wendy, that uh, a lot of starters will be in this team. Um, Will there be an actual llama at the game? I No, there won't be, because they're not playing Las Vegas. That's the whole thing. They, they FC Golden State Force screwed us out of llamas and, uh, I think, Freddie Adu. So between I, those two I, things, I, we're, we got screwed. I'd love to see a llama. You and me both. That's what, yeah. we, that's what we wanted. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, let's see. Eastern Conference standings, the top team in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta United. Um, Columbus Crew, who the LA Galaxy will play towards the end of this month coming up, uh, is second in the Eastern Conference right now. Certainly got a bailed out in their last game, uh, thanks to VAR or or people's blind uh, use of VAR. So um, so Sporting Kansas City's uh, uh, excuse me, Sporting Kansas City is number one in the West. FC Dallas, number two in the West. LAFC number three in the West, Portland number four. So the LA Galaxy, who sit in eighth position, will play the number four team. Not really helping out that average, Wendy, in terms of the teams that they're playing and 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 trying to find an easier schedule there. Um, and then they'll end up playing Real Salt Lake after that. And RSL right now is sitting at fifth in the West. So um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of congestion there. And then Atlanta United uh, goes one with Sporting Kansas City two and Columbus three in terms of the Supporters Shield. Uh, yeah, people pointing out in the in the chat room, by the way, Las Vegas Lights FC uh, just signed Raul Mendiola, um, former LA Galaxy player, so he'll be over there. Uh, okay, let's schedule real quick, and then we'll get to Portland. Uh, obviously, the Portland game coming up. Then you have that U.S. Open Cup game on Wednesday, June 6, 7.30 p.m. at the StubHub Track and Field Stadium. Uh, that's where you can find that one. Then home again Saturday, June 9th for Real Salt Lake, and then it is World Cup break time. The LA Galaxy will not play again until Saturday, June 30th when they are away at Stanford Stadium to the San Jose Earthquakes. But quick turnaround time, Wendy. They'll play Saturday, June 30th, Wednesday, July 4th, and then Saturday, July 7th. Wednesday, July 4th against DC United at home, and then home to the Columbus crew where Giassi Zardis returns to StubHub Center for the first time since being traded to Columbus. Uh, So I expect him to score about 7 or 14 goals. Um, and then you'll finish out, or at least you'll get to the middle of July, uh, going away, back another East Coast trip, Wendy, uh, to play the New England Revolution, who are playing well under Brad Friedel. So that's all the fun stuff that's there. Uh, are you ready for, for our Portland game then, uh, here, Wendy? L- let's do it. All right, let's do a little bit of, uh, of Portland game for everybody right now. All right, the LA Galaxy will travel to the uh, Portland Timbers on Saturday, June 2nd, 2018. This is a 2 p.m. kickoff. That game can be found on ESPN2, nationally televised games, so do not cry whenever it's not on ESPN+, Plus because it'll be on ESPN2. You should be actually able to find that if you sign in with your cable provider, of course. Uh, Portland is 6-3-2, 20 points, 11 games played, fourth in the Western Conference, eighth in the Supporters' Shield, the LA Galaxy 5-7-1, 16 points, 13 games played, two games more, four points less. That's what you need to take from that. Eighth in the Western Conference, 15th in the Supporters' Shield. The last game was a 3-2 win for Portland as they traveled to Colorado and won. And as it as luck would have it, uh, Portland is now unbeaten at home, 4-0-0, and unbeaten in their last six games. The Portland offense has scored 19 goals, which is one more than the Galaxy, which puts them in the middle of the MLS pack. And Portland's defense has allowed seven go- 17 goals, which is about seventh in the league, actually one of the upper teams in terms of defense. Uh, Sebastian Blanco and Diego Valeri both have scored uh, five goals each 
Um, and so that's something to really look at. And then they had Armenteros, who is having back-to-back goal of the week wins uh, and has looked really, really dangerous for Portland. The really fun thing here, Wendy, that I see is the formation that Portland plays in, which is, uh, which is, is humorously referred to as the Christmas tree. Uh, 4-3-2-1, uh, which makes things look uh, very interesting. But what you really have to understand there, Wendy, is that you have Armenteros up front, or if it's not him, it's Adi, uh, who has been coming off the bench lately. Uh, you have Blanco and Valeri who are up there. You have Diego Chara, who's also sort of in that offensive side. And then you have Flores and Paredes on, on either side. They, they're just stacked. That front six has so many people um, and they're just, they're on fire right now in Portland. Like I said, 4-0-0 at home this year. They've won six in a row. They are Major League Soccer's hottest team. I just, I don't see how the LA Galaxy, uh, knowing that Ola Kamara's not here, away on international duty with uh, with Norway, not that I think that's a huge issue, uh, because I think it puts them in a better position in terms of how they line up uh, in a 4-5-1 with Zlatan Ibrahimovic being that lone striker, something we haven't seen from the LA Galaxy yet. Um, so I don't think it, but I just... To me, this is like running into a buzzsaw, and of course, going against the Timbers, that's, a, that's probably an apt uh, analogy. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're going to lose the Portland game. I just hope no one gets injured. That's what I'm thinking. Come on, knock on wood. No injuries. Yeah. No injuries. I don't want, I ne- I don't want Zlatan on turf. I certainly, I really don't want to, I'm not going to be happy seeing Zlatan play on turf, I'll tell you that much. It is, it is, quote unquote, the best turf in the league. And, and oh. I mean, that's a qualifier that you have to make. It is different. It's not, and even New England, I guess, has the same, quote unquote, turf as Portland now. But I, it's not like Minnesota turf, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't even allow Zlatan to think about getting on the plane going to Minnesota. That's, ne- that's not <laughs> happening uh, as long as they're playing on that field. Um, you know, there's some places that like Seattle's Zlatan doesn't get to go to. That's not happening. Um, but I, he's going to Portland. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure he already traveled to Portland. But I just, people forget, like literally Zlatan tore his ACL in April of a year ago. Yeah. Like one year ago, he tore his ACL. And it's just, I know it's, we forget about it because he's been playing so many games and he plays and he plays like he's fine and that he's never even had an ACL injury and you would never even know it. But it did happen, and I get scared every time that I think about it. So here's uh. the here's the problem, though. I mean, and, and I agree with you. I mean, if you had a choice here, you probably don't let Zlatan go, right? You're like, hey, you don't need to go, but there's there's nobody else who can play there. Uh, you're gonna put Ari Lasseter up there. You're gonna you're gonna put Bradford Jameson up there, who I don't even think has been playing that much for LA Galaxy two. So he doesn't. I mean, there's there's no options here. It is one of the shallower positions, but with Zlatan and with Ola Kamara, as much as we complain that they play in the same position, Wendy, which they do. Um, they also can cover for each other if one guy gets injured or if one guy needs a break or if one guy's off on international duty. So this is a positive of having Zlatan and Ola Kamara together is that Zlatan now will be able to go up all by himself at the top. The Galaxy will be able to play in a 4-5-1 or a 4-2-3-1, however you want to categorize the midfield, whatever, it doesn't matter, it's just the same thing. Um, and they'll be able to do that knowing that um, you know Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be playing in his preferred position and you'll still have five midfielders underneath. Uh, who those five midfielders will be was a great question question. Uh, I think you could, you're probably going to get Perry Kitchen and Servando Carrasco again. I think you could get Ima Boateng or Chris Pontius out on the left. Um, you get Sebastian Legette in that number 10 role again. You can get uh, Ramon Alessandrini in the number 10 or out on the right wing. So those are sort of the, the, the lineups. It's a very simple, easy to predict lineup for this one, I think. Uh, the only question is, does Siggy Schmidt mess with the defense again? Or does he go back to, you know, Cole? Does he go back to Shelvick? Does he go back to Siani? Does he go back to Romney? Does he go for the, hey, let's not mess around. Let's put 
together a defense that at least has a fighting chance against Portland and just go with that nice vanilla defensive lineup. I, I think if he overthinks it again, Wendy, I, he he's going to drive people crazy because you can't ha- you can't have it happen again. I mean, I hate to it it shut causes me to shudder when I think that putting Daniel Stairs at right back was the product of thinking. <laughs> that's that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, no, I, I know what you mean, and and that is that is something that. I think Siggy Schmidt, he said, as you heard in the clip there, when he, he was going to go back and look and see if that was his fault. Um, I think he will find, if, if, he's, if he's honest with himself, it was his fault, um, and that he'll be able to correct it. It's an easy fix. It's not hard. It's, again, you don't have to overthink it. If I can probably figure out what your starting lineup is going to be, you're, you're not overthinking it, I guarantee it. All right, because I, I barely think at all whenever I do this, so there's certainly not overthinking involved. Uh, you, do you think, uh, you think the Galaxy have any chance of beating Portland? Um, well, it's MLS, so (laughs) MLS is going to MLS, obviously, which basically means random things happen. Um, but I think if Portland has won six games in a row, is that right? Yep. Okay. Well, all right. And they're at home and Portland has a phenomenal crowd at home. I mean, I just, I don't want any injuries. Portland, why you have turf? Yeah. Why, Why you have turf? I think that I swear to God, I think there's an actual underground river that runs right underneath the stadium. It would make drainage more difficult. It's not impossible. All right. Listen, nothing's impossible in terms of drainage and what you can do, Wendy. And, and I think Portland has enough money to be able to try to do it. Uh, they just don't want to. That's the bottom line. They, 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 they don't want to do it. So uh, people, by the way, are saying that we should bring Zlatan on as a sub. And I would just like to remind everybody there's no Ola Kamara. All right. <laughs> <sighs> By the way, international duty update. I'll give you everybody who's on international duty or ha- who has been called up. You had Jonathan Dos Santos, Giovanni Dos Santos with Mexico until the World Cup or until they get sent home. Um, so that's that's certainly something that you, you they won't be back anytime soon as far as I'm concerned. I think both of them go to Russia, uh, despite the fact that I don't think Giovanni Dos Santos deserves to go to Russia. He'll end up beyond the team. Uh, so they both go to Russia. That'll happen. So they're gone. Uh, you have Ola Kamara, who will miss this game against Portland. He'll miss the U.S. Open Cup game. Not a big deal in terms of Open Cup. Uh, Emre Clemente was called up by Montenegro. The LA Galaxy declined that call-up, which they're allowed to do. These are international friendlies and not on FIFA dates. Okay, so the FIFA dates start in the World Cup, and those are mandatory FIFA dates. Um, but this is not that, and so they did not have to release him. And I was uh, I was told that it was because of the right back situation, the Galaxy being thin there, um, and then they started Daniel Stairs there. So I don't know. It's one of those. But anyway, that's that was one of the things. I think Clementa could play a role in the right back here in these next couple of games. So that's probably why they didn't let him go uh, with Montenegro. So. That is how the international uh, break sort of goes down. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Wendy? Because we're sort of, that's it. I think we made it to the end of the show. I think we gave everybody a pretty good idea of what to expect against Portland, uh, what the major issues that sort of had a hiccup there in NFC Dallas. Um, oh, by the way, uh, homophobic goal chance, uh, not cool. All right. Not cool. Not cool. Um, this podcast, uh, any podcast that I know of, does not tolerate any of that crap. Uh, if you see people doing it, point it to them. I call them the LA Galaxy. The supporters groups do a great job, in, in my opinion. They really do. They, I, I saw, I heard of people getting kicked out yesterday for people doing it uh, within those supporters groups. It's outside of that. That's the real problem. Um, people were certainly highlighting different portions of the stadium that were doing that. And so the LA Galaxy need to do a better job. The supporter groups have police their own. They can't be responsible for anything more than the people within their group. Uh, yeah, and there's also, it's not like there's a shortage of security guards. I'm sorry, but the half the game, I see these security guards ambling around doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. If they actually, are, I mean, I know there are um, uh, those chants, 
that I, I hear them on occasion. And literally, the security guards at LA Galaxy, they do nothing. So you could just send them off and have them do a job. You pay them to do it. Now, it certainly is. And so the Galaxy need to do better. And uh, if they don't do better, it's on them. Uh, apparently, they don't want to eradicate it because it's it's really not that difficult in, in terms. Give the security guards... The, see, this is always my, my double-edged sword. Giving security guards and the, and the people, the ushers that are around there, like any sort of power sort of makes me feel nervous. Um, but in this particular case, like if you go to Angel Stadium, um, you can't like, you know, raise your middle finger and flip people off they're going to kick you out and it happens pretty quickly that sort of needs to happen here in terms of that chant needs to stop can't happen anymore and that's it kick those people out i don't care if they're season ticket holders kick them out they don't get to come back anymore all right everybody knows it's not cool especially not on pride night i thought it was a really great night uh there were eighteen thousand people there on a wednesday night when has there ever been eighteen thousand people anywhere in los angeles on on a on a wednesday night that never happens uh, that's three or four thousand people higher than it normally is, Wendy, on a Wednesday night. So that's a great turnout for a midweek game. And there was some, you know, the, the game was bad. Yeah, I get it. Um, there was a lot of frustration with Dallas. Yeah, I get it. Um, don't let them score three goals and then they won't waste time and then you won't be shouting, I guess, homophobic chants at them. I, I don't get it. I don't get the connection. Just stop doing it. Um, and that's that's really it. Stop doing it. And if you have friends that do it, don't be there. Don't be those people's friends anymore. Kick them out themselves. I'm tired of this crap. All right. Doesn't need to happen. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Anything else? No. Okay, good. All right, if you, of course, uh, actually, Wendy, why don't you tell people where they can find you, and we'll go. You can find me at Corner of the Galaxy in American Soccer Now and on Twitter at Bards Blonde. All right, if you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and, of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com, all of our articles, read stuff by Larry Morgan. Larry Morgan, not on Twitter. I'm slowly convincing him maybe to get on Twitter. No, it's never going to happen. Uh, but Larry's doing a great job for us. Uh, a lot of great stuff, a lot of great articles there as well. Um, so head on over to cornergalaxy.com. You can get our scarves. I, of course, will be out there on Wednesday for the U.S. Open Cup game. We have a podcast on Monday night with Kevin Baxter, which might, I think, be his last one before he takes off to Russia. So uh, we, we are planning to do some stuff while he's away in Russia as well. But nonetheless, it'll be uh, interesting to maybe we can get his take on that as well. So definitely check out the podcast on Monday. But the game, again, the LA Galaxy will face off against the Portland Timbers at 2 p.m. on Saturday, June 2nd. ESPN2 is where you can find that. We'll see if the Galaxy can stun the world, shock the world, and the Timbers' six-game winning streak and come away with the victory. But if not, we'll still be here on Monday. For Miss Wendy Thomas, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy and for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion and entertainment including this podcast head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com Fans, thanks for listening we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast we thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.